Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grun. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basic, by examining the Word of God, and especially the example of the Book of Acts Church, to see how the early church served the Lord. By delving deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended, and not the one that man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence that the early church had. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is on going the fire of the upper room still burns if you have any questions go to firefalltalkradio.com use the contact button or you can write us directly at the porch lowercase one word at firefalltalkradio.com if you'd like to support us there are ways to do so go to the firefall talk radio homepage. we appreciate your support and encouragement welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms remember we can always be found on apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Welcome. Welcome. If you are looking... To learn how to better serve the kingdom of God and be prepared for the days ahead, you're in the right place. This is the porch we get together here every week here on Firefall Talk Radio. Um, we have a community part of the porch. We're about to go into that. If you don't want to be a part of that, I understand. Go to the next shofar. But that first shofar is the call to attention. Let's gather up. Let's get ready. Um. Uh, Appreciate you, each and every one of you. Wish I had words that could explain that except to say thank you. The Firefall Network on YouTube, a uh, new video went up from Larry Barrett from the Barrett Store. Uh, I'm going to get back into the groove of things, so just uh, be patient. But every week, unless there's a medical reason, I will be here. And if I'm not here, there'll be something. I will never leave you without the word or something to inspire you. That's why that's why I do this. We start out praise reports and prayer requests, and I am I'm so thankful for my salvation. I cannot imagine what living in this fallen world would be like without other believers, brothers and sisters in the Lord, being a part of a bigger family, having a relationship with them, having peace when it's not natural or normal to have peace. So I praise him. Praise him for my salvation. I praise him for giving me back the family I discarded. You know, my wife and I celebrated 42 years of marriage and 43 years together and two grown sons and two daughter-in-laws and a grandson and furry kids and all these things that as a kid I always looked forward to, but the enemy almost sabotaged that. So I'm thankful. And I praise him for that. I praise him for his provision, his protection, his guidance, the presence of his Holy Spirit, for the dreams and the visions that were prophesied in Joel 2.28 that was mentioned in Acts chapter 2 and everything along the way. He's still there. If you want to know what he's thinking, just ask him. Praise him for his favor, his divine abiding favor. We may not always see it. We may not always understand it, but it's always there. 
the revelation of the Holy Spirit, for being a new creation. We're living in prophetic times. If you cannot see that, that we are in the onset of the days of Noah, with the debauchery and the depravity that is celebrated in our society, you're not paying attention. And because of that, we need to pray. First, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, may they prosper. Who love you, Jerusalem, is the apple of his eye. He sees the rest of the world from that perspective. So I pray for Israel. I pray for its leadership. I pray for our brothers and sisters. I pray for America. May God forgive us and shed his grace upon us. All the evil and all the ugliness and all the things that have been done against him, against his word, and against his son. I pray for all the people being victimized by their supposed leaders. Nothing will change until the king comes back. That's why we should be looking for that. Pray for the fatherless and the widows, the persecuted and the martyred, the poor in spirit, the bound, the oppressed, and those that are victims of injustice. Please, please, please join me every day in interceding for them. Praying against the slaughter of the innocents, praying for missing and exploited children to be rescued the victims of human sex trafficking to be healed, and those that perpetrate it to be brought to justice. For brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered, persecuted for their faith, persecution, anti-Semitism, ugliness, everything that indicates the spirit of the Antichrist is blowing strong in the air, like a stench from a giant landfill. And he's waiting in the wings to bring that garbage out into the open. That ought to tell you how I feel about him. Praying for all that need healing right now. If you're injured or you're sick, you're broken in heart, mind, body, soul, or spirit, please trust him. Please believe him. Lord, I pray for those people right now, your children. They're hurting. I pray your spirit would be bathed upon them, overshadow them. You would bring your scriptures to their mind, that you would strengthen them and heal them, bring them back together. Don't let them give up, Lord, like we see in the news. Don't let them give up. Send your angels, whatever it takes. Protect us, inspire us, wake up the remnant. We got a job to do, projects to to finish, plans to be done. We got kingdom business, so we need kingdom finances, and we need kingdom support. Workers, people that want to be a part of an end-time move of, move of God. And, of course, we always end by praying for our lost family members, calling them into the kingdom. Uh, Stacy in Texas says, Hope is all is well. I have a moment to slow down, so I want to turn in a praise report per request. We have finally send, settled into a home after four years. I'm so thankful. It's a huge blessing and so much more than I thought we would have again. I'm thankful for my family, the porch community, my church, and my job. Please pray for my family because we're in a difficult season. My grandparents and my mom are needing more and more care. It's difficult because my family is broken and we need healing. Please pray for my mom for physical, mental, and spiritual healing. Please pray for my husband and I for continued growth and healing. And I want to end it with, you know, continued prayer for my health. It's it's a lot better Things are getting better, and I'm just believing that God is, each and every day, changing me and perfecting me because there's a job to be done. Lord, we come to you 
we boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy. We cry out, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy. Oh, we're so glad to see you. We just want to spend time with you. We long for the day that you send Yeshua to rescue us from this fallen place. But until then, we'll do the job. We'll praise you. We'll tell others about you. We thank you for the cross, the empty tomb, the upper room. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Word. We thank you for times like this that we can gather all over the world. Hear his word. Pray for one another. Holy Spirit, have your way tonight. Do whatever it is you want to do. Bless and protect us. Protect the technology. Bring the presence of the Lord into this time on the porch. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Yeshua said in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom means his will, his way. And his way is found in the word. And I wasn't sure tonight what I was going to do, and I'm still not sure. Originally, I was just going to talk from the heart, do a porch light session. Then I started working, gathering scriptures, and you know how that is with me. But I'm still not sure that I will go all the way to the end with these notes because I really, really have some stuff to share from my heart. Because some of you are going through some dark times. You're going through some tough seasons, plural. You might be losing faith. You might be losing hope. That's really easy to do. And the enemy will prey upon you when that happens. But when that happens, you've got to go back to basics. You've got to go back to the Word and read it to yourself out loud. Speak it out loud. You may not even believe what you're saying, but your spirit person does. And they're hearing it and being edified and being encouraged. Do not wallow in the darkness. Do not sit in the shadows. Because if you're sitting in the shadows, you're facing the wrong way. Turn towards the light. And you may just be over the ridge into the darkness and not realize 
that the light is right there. Yeshua said in Mark 9.23, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. It says in Mark 11.22-24, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And this is so hard to believe when you're in the valley. So hard to hear even me saying it when you've lost all hope. But this is the word, literally, of the Lord. Red letters. Have faith in God. Not you, not man, not doctors, though they are there and can help. That's not who our faith is in. Our faith is not in systems, whether religious or political. Our faith is not in anything of this world. Our faith is in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt, but believes those things he says will be done, will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Now, this isn't manifestation. This isn't abracadabra, hocus-pocus. If you are praying according to his word and according to his will, it must happen. It may take time, but it will happen in the fullness of time. John fourteen twelve through 15 the scriptures that set me on this journey that I've been on since 2007. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. John fifteen seven. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. His words, living in you, abiding, permanent resonance, will inspire you to ask for things that line up with his will. You're not going to ask for things that don't line up with his will or his word, because if you do, he cannot honor it. But I tell you, the enemy will honor it. If you say it, the enemy will want to give it to you. But you have to have hope. You can't give up. You just can't. First Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. When things get bad, people want to have hope. And they'll come to you. They want to hear you say something positive, not something negative. They don't need any more pity in their cup. They've got enough. Their cup runs over with pity. They need hope. Everyone, everyone wants to be hopeful, not hopeless.
Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary says, Hope is a trustful expectation, particularly with reference to the fulfillment of God's promises. Biblical hope is the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. More specifically, hope is that confidence that what God has done for us in the past guarantees our participation in God in what God will do in the future. This contrasts with the world's definition of hope as a feeling that what is wanted will happen. How can you know God's promises if you don't know his word? I think it's great if you come here every week. You're pretty confidently going to get a giant buffet smorgasbord of meat and potatoes and food from the Word. That's the way my spiritual father and mentor taught me. And that's the way I will always do it. But you need to know the Word. You need to know the Script. You need to go there, know where to find what you need. When you go into your cabinet looking for a Band-Aid or an antiseptic or whatever it is you need for that moment, you know where to look because you've been there before. It's the same thing with the Word. You need to know where to look. But that won't happen if you don't open it up. And I mean a tangible Bible. It's great to have the apps and the the smartphones and the tablets or the iPads. Yeah, don't ever go in the Apple store and call your iPad a tablet. Oh, my goodness. They will look at you with such disdain. It's an iPad, but some of you have tablets. Anyway, it's great to have those and to be able to go into the search engine. But holding the Word of God in your hand and knowing where to find what you need to turn those pages... It always comes alive to me. Last week we talked about the calling. Ephesians 1.18, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, whether the riches of the glory of his, his inheritance in the saints. Your eyes, the eyes of your heart flooded with light, so that you can know you and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. That's us. You don't need a group of religious people to declare you a saint. You're a saint. That's what the Word says. We've been set apart Second Timothy one nine, who has saved us and called us with a what? A holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Messiah Yeshua before time began. You see the emphasis here? It's about him. It's about what he thinks. It's about what he wants. It's what the Spirit decides. If we're going to live out his will then we are living out the calling on our life. Second Thessalonians 1.11, Therefore we also pray for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Dunamis. So the key 
to this calling, this confident calling, if you will, has nothing to do with you except to be willing and available. He will do the rest. I've been on this journey a long time. I'll be saved 33 and a half years, October 34 years. And it's been a it's been an, an exciting one, an up and down one, an active one, a dramatic one. But it's always in process, it's always ongoing. And it won't be finished until either um the Lord comes back or I go home. I've always told people I'm either gonna die or I'm gonna fly, but I'm pretty confident I'm gonna fly. I don't believe I'm gonna die in this um lifetime. I really don't. But to live this life, to walk this walk, it takes faith. It takes hope. It takes knowing the Word of God, knowing what He thinks and how He feels. It takes time spending time with Him, setting time for Him, listening, even when He says things I don't want to hear, even when He chastises me. And as, as intimate and special as my relationship is, I, 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 I get chastised every now and then. But it's always for my correction. It's always for my good. Don't ever think if he chastises you or allows something to fail that you wanted to succeed that it's because he doesn't love you. No, it's because he does love you and he wants the best for you. Go with me to Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Which, in case you don't know, it refers to quantum physics. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained Witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away, so that he did not see death and was not found, because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, well, is what? He is God. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness, which is what? According to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive an inheritance. Let me stop there. Everybody talks about how wealthy Abraham was. Wealth, he took wealth with him, but he left a lot more behind. He was the son of a very powerful, very rich man. And he left his inheritance and went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength 
to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past age. They really should say way past age. And because she judged him faithful who had promised, and therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, meaning he couldn't produce a child, she was barren, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand, which is by the seashore. But these all died in faith, not having received the promises except for Abraham and Sarah, but having seen them afar off. were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come, they would have had opportunity to return. But that now they desire a better, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. These are called the heroes of faith, and I left out huge chunks because I'm keying on certain people. But if you need faith, read Hebrews 11. And read it to yourself. Read it out loud. Think about what you're saying. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. It made no sense for God to fulfill that promise, to give him Isaac, and then when Isaac is older, and not some little boy, but in his mid to late teens, probably late teens, for God to say, I want you to sacrifice your son. Most people will say, oh, that can't be God. That makes no sense. I, Abraham had faith. He took him up and did it. Anyway, but the angel stopped his hand, and there was a a ram caught in the thicket, and that was the sacrifice. That was an example of Yeshua. They were running a race of faith. You're running a race of faith, and you're not running alone. You may not know it. There are people praying for you. Whether they know you by name or not, Some of you, I've been blessed to be able to run alongside of you in this um, race for a while, some more than others, as however I'm needed. And believe me, I'm not built for running. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Yeshua, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, over these last couple of weeks, and I, I've shared with you, and you know, uh, a medical issue, the loss of my uh,
spiritual mentor, spiritual father, somebody over the last couple of weeks, even today, while working on the Bible study, I wanted to pick up the phone, share revelation, get some insight, glean from him, which is what I've done for all these years that I've been teaching. Can't do that. He's gone on. He's with the Lord. So I turned to the only other person I know that knows this word is that well and knows it better. I turned to the Lord. During all this time, during the stress, during the all that goes with living in a fallen world and these bodies that, oh boy, will it be great to get our glorified bodies. The Word is there for me. The Spirit is there for me. The Lord is there for me. And I keep running. I keep running the race. And I'm no better than you. I've just been at this longer. Uh, And the only difference between you and I may be that I love the Lord more. But you could change that. But I know that I'm not alone. So I've been thinking about the Word, and I've been ministering to people that are struggling. And this scripture came to mind, which is really what this was supposed to be about, but the the Lord took it in different directions. It's out of Romans 4, verse 17. And people only quote the last part of it. And they say, "Call call those things which do not exist as though they did. Speak to things not as they are, but as they should be. That's how the Word of Faith crowd abuses it and misapplies it. But the real scripture is, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He's referring back to Abraham in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead, Abraham and Sarah's body, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God, who gives life to the dead, we were dead, we were dead in our sins, and calls into being that which does not exist prior to October 9th, 1988. A born-again, saved, redeemed Richard did not exist. A spirit-filled man of God did not exist. A frontline warrior to destroy the works of the enemy and set the captives free did not exist. But he called it into life. He called you into life out of darkness, into the life, into the light of his son. So as I said, the word of faith group misuses Romans 4.17. They teach it as a name it, claim it doctrine. Been around for a long time. I've never been a fan of it. Don't support it. Nor do I support the people that teach it. But they'll have to deal with that before God. As the Bible says, don't rush to be teachers. You will be held much more so accountable. Well, they will. And according to this false teaching, we can speak God's word over our finances, our bodies, our automobiles, and whatever it is you want. You speak it, you claim it, you have it. And what they've done is taken an element of truth 
and built a lie around it. All we need is a confession and enough faith to manifest it, and God will transform into this physical reality and, and, and create an environment of blessing based upon what we say. We can speak it and sit back and enjoy the fruit of our words. We are little gods. No, 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 no. Let me say again, no, we are not. We are sons of the Most High. We are daughters of the Most High. He is the only God. And and Romans 4.17 has nothing to do with the power of our words. It's about the power of God's promises and his faithfulness to keep those promises. Isaac, the son of promise, was not born because Abraham confessed it or declared it or spoke the right words. He was born because Almighty God, our Heavenly Abba Father, promised he would be. So if we speak to those things not as they are, but as though they were, we must be speaking in accordance with his will and his word. And the word of God will expose your intention and his will. See, Hebrews 4.12 is not about spiritual warfare, although we apply it to that. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And though it can be applied to those things, it's about the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. The Word of God exposes you. I have found that so many people I've ministered to over 33 years who do not read the Word of God, it's because they have parts of their life they don't want exposed to the Word of God. They want to cherry pick. They want to pick what they want to eat. But that word will expose you, both good and bad. But if we focus on the incredible truth of the faithfulness of Yeshua, that he brings back what is dead to life. My marriage was dead. I walked out on on Deb, walked out on Jesse, even after she told me that uh, she was pregnant with Chris. I didn't care. It was dead. I was dead. She stopped praying for our marriage and started praying for my soul because what good was it to be married to somebody that was unsaved and going to spend the eternity in darkness and in fire? So God brought it back to life as only he could. And we should thank God, our Father, that he sees the those acts of faith, that kind of faith, and he counts them as righteousness. He counts them as upright behavior before him. Why? Because he looks at us and he says, hey, you see that? That's my kid. He believes. He trusts me. She trusts me. So right now, whatever's going on in your life, whatever you're thinking or feeling, God's not asking anything more of you than for you to believe that he is as good as his word. That's it. He just wants you to trust him. If those who seek his blessings and seek to be justified and righteous in him, 
if they were able to inherit it based upon the law, based upon actions, based upon their works, then faith is made void and the promise is of no effect. Faith is set aside when you do that because the principle becomes that the law is the matter, but it's not. Faith is the matter. It's a matter of believing. The law is a matter of doing. What happened when Abraham took it into his own hands? Literally, kind of. When Sarah didn't want to wait anymore and offered Hagar and said, hey, go into my uh, maidservant here and have an heir, have a child, and created Ishmael. We've, We've been dealing with that ever since. That wasn't the promise of God. The promise is made worthless if it's based upon conditions and what we do to meet it. Therefore, it's of faith. And Paul's teaching concludes that God's promises to Abraham were founded on his faith so that salvation was only through grace. And that's the foundation of Paul's teaching. God's favor, unmerited favor. So since the promise was not based on adherence to any law or performance of any ritual, Abraham is the forefather of all who believe. And though waiting nearly 10 years for the fulfillment of an seemingly impossible promise, Abraham's faith, rather than growing weak, grew stronger, and he continued to give the glory to God. Right now, whatever you're doing, whatever you're in the middle of, I don't care how bad it is, praise him. Give glory to him because he's the only one who can save you. He's the only one who can heal you. He's the only one who can redeem you. Praise him. Glory to God. Praise him. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise him. Magnify his name. You want to frustrate the heck out of the enemy as they're pounding on you and seemingly ready to defeat you? Start praising him. And when Abraham was beyond all hope, Sarah's way too old. She's completely barren. No child coming. His hope and God's promises survived. And he believed that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars of heaven. Why? Because all-powerful, almighty God promised it. This is not a medical miracle. This is a miracle miracle. And it happened anyway. So I don't care what you're going through. God can fix it. God can do it. So glorifying God. speak. You want to speak to things as they should be? Glorify him. Even if you don't believe it, speak as it should be. And I don't know why you wouldn't believe it. And I get if you're hurt and disappointed because certain things went wrong or certain things you'd hoped for didn't happen. Declare who he is. Remind yourself who he is. Abraham, by faith, acknowledged that God was faithful and powerful enough to keep his promise. So God wanted us to know this. The father wanted his children to know this. So he had Abraham's faith recorded in Scripture not to immortalize Abraham, but to be a model for others. 
Abraham's faith was a model because he believed in a God who can raise the dead. He believed God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we can follow Abraham's example or we can ignore it. We can follow all the other heroes of faith example or we can ignore it. We can follow Yeshua's faith as an example, but you know what? You really can't ignore it because it's about eternity. It's about eternal life. Yeshua's promises were about the resurrection, which is the core to the gospel. The, the cross is the anchor, but the core to the gospel is the resurrection. He's not a dead prophet. He's a resurrected Savior. So these are the characteristics of hope. These are the characteristics of the faith that I'm talking about because faith has to have valid content. Paul quotes Genesis 17.5. No longer shall your name be Abram, which means exalted father, but your name shall be Abraham, father of a multitude, for I will make you the father of many nations. So the object of Abraham's faith was God. And faith is actually contrary to hope, yet it rests upon hope. It's one of those um, paradoxes. But this is a hope in which there is no element of uncertainty. Faith has to have a purpose. The purpose of Abraham's faith was that he might become the father of many nations. And those promises were given to him in the covenant that God made with him in Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land I will show you. Hey, Abram, where are you going? I'm leaving, Dad. Where? I don't know. You don't know where you're going? Nope. Why are you doing that? God. Where are you going? Don't know. He's going to show it to me when I get there. That's faith. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Without that faith, it would have changed everything. Because his faith produced action, made him get up. He had to leave. He had to get out of his comfort zone. And it conditioned the way in which he lived. And he did not doubt God's promises. That's why Paul in Romans 4.18 says, And who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Contrary to hope, contrary to what his mind said. That made no sense. You got all this land, you have all this food, you have all this money, and you're going to go where? I don't know. I'll know it when I get there. You do that today and they want to lock you up. But he believed. 
That's why he's the model of faith and hope. Despite the realities of everything around him, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he drew he grew strong in his faith as he gave God the glory. See, that's what our faith is supposed to be based on. That's what our hope is supposed to be based on, like Abraham's, on the faithfulness of God. I, I don't know what you're going through. I really don't. Some of you... I know a little bit, but I I don't really know. I don't know what it's like in the shadows. I don't lo- know what it's like in the dark, the loneliness, the fear. But I know that God is faithful. So hope, therefore, not irrational, but a hope based upon God because he's faithful. We need to trust him. We need to believe him. Romans 5, 1 through 5, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Adonai Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus the Messiah, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope. Of the glory of God. And not only that, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That's what the Spirit does. He reminds you of what the Word says, He reminds you of what the Lord said, He reminds you of what the Lord did. He walks alongside of you. He encourages you. Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible says, Christian hope is securely based upon the words and actions of God. The promises of God have proven to be dependable. The resurrection of Yeshua becomes the ultimate basis of our hope. Since God has already overcome death through Messiah, the life of a believer is lived with the confidence in the present. And no matter how dark the present age seems, the Christian, or as I call him, the believer, has seen the light to come. People need to hope, and hope placed in the personal promise of God is secure. And this secure hope is full of social significance, however, freeing one from bondage to materialism, and its natural selfishness. Christian hope offers security for the future and loving involvement in sharing for the present. See, hope in the Lord will never disappoint us. That's our hope. That's why we can give a defense of why we believe of this hope that we feel. That's the testimony. That's what this is all about. To, to listen, to learn, to be fed, to be encouraged. I mean, we take supplements, we take this and we take that, and we want to be stronger, and we want to have endurance, but we don't want to feed our spirit man that way. We don't want to eat, we don't want to take it in so that we can be strong, so when the enemy comes, you can stand, and when having done all, to stand. Hope in the Lord never disappoints us. It will never disappoint us. That's our hope. So if you want to speak to things as 
they should be. If you want to speak to things not as they are, but as they should be, then speak about hope. Speak into your situation. Speak into your life. Speak into your relationships. And then do whatever is necessary that the Lord leads you to do. Because Abraham had to get up. He had to go. He had to leave. Sometimes you're going to be asked to leave things behind. Sometimes you're going to be asked to let go of things. The tighter you hold on to something, the harder it's going to be to let go. But what if, what if Abraham had not listened? What if he had stayed with his father? What if he had thought it was too much to give up? Wow. What a mistake that would have been. God's going to fix what God's going to fix. And he's going to do what he's going to do. And he may not explain it to you. I said sometimes he'll he'll chastise me. And if I push him too hard, if I'm spending time with him and I'm seeking an answer about something I have not yet an answer for, he'll just very calmly and almost sternly say, Son, you're on a need-to-know basis. And right now, you don't need to know. But I do know this. I know that he loves me. I know that he loves me. And that his desire for me is for good. And I hold on to that. That's how I run the race. And so when I'm running with you, if I'm running the race with you, I'm holding on to that hope. And I'm trying to share it with you and encourage you. Even if you don't want to hear it. Just take a sip of hope. Just take a sip of this cup of hope. Put your faith in him. Father, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. Oh, I have more notes, but I I just don't want to do them. I want you, Lord, always and forever in every part of my life. But I want you to reach down and touch your children. Heart, mind, body, soul, or spirit. I, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to help them to grow in the faith. Be like Abraham. To trust in their heavenly father. Like Moses and the children of Israel to leave Egypt behind and get as far away from it as they possibly can. To trust you even if what you ask them like you did with Abraham to sacrifice Isaac makes no sense that they would have strong faith in you. Holy Spirit, help them in this (laughs) adventure in faith that we're living right now. Moment to moment, day to day, hour to hour, week to week. Whatever it is, help us. Help us to run this race. Help us not fall. And if we do fall, help us get up. Please, shine your glory down upon your children. Shine it down upon me. Change us in every aspect of our lives. Bless us so that we can be a blessing to others, so that we can be about our Father's business and tell people why we believe and what we hope for and to give them a hope to tell them, get ready, someone's coming back and you want to be ready for him. You want to know him. You want to be known by him. So, 
in the theme of this thing, I speak to things not as they are, but as they should be about you. I speak to things as you being filled with faith. I speak to things as you being healed, saved if you're not, delivered if you need to be, because that's what the word says. Yeshua is salvation. He is Messiah. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And in his name is healing. In his name is life. In his name is everything. So I speak to you not as the way you are, but as the way you should be. And I bless you. I bless you from deep, deep in my heart. In Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, Adonai, Yeshua HaMashiach, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Give you shalom. I'm Richard Gunn. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.